Good morning, Oikos. How are you doing? You know, you see that picture in the opening of our Risky series, and who wants to do that? All right. We all do that together as a church, right? I mean, I look at that and I think, that is risk, although if you look closely, there is a rope. If you really want to be risky, no rope, right? And then you'd be told that that wasn't smart, but I would still think it would be awesome. But oftentimes when we talk about risk, there will be people who say, you know, that just wasn't a smart move. Or, I can't believe you did that. Or, I can't believe that you want to go skydiving. Or, I can't believe this. The story this morning, there's a lot of, I can't believe that she did this. I can't believe that they were willing to do this. I can't believe that the Lord worked this way. I think when we start looking at our own lives, especially in the times when we have risked something for the Lord. Who's done something risky this week? That's why we're doing this series. Because kind of shy away from risk, right? Who doesn't want to do anything risky? Thank you. Amber? That's, that's the real world, right? Is that when you look at risk, you start taking and calculating the cost, and you go, mm, no, it's better not to do that. Mm, I'm not going to try that. Mm, that's great for you, not so much for me. I want us to allow the Lord to speak to us in the story today. And for a moment, just wonder, what would it look like what would it look like if I had risked everything for him? Let's take a listen. The Lord said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you will lead the people into the land I've promised them. I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. So be strong and full of courage. Obey the instructions I gave Moses. Don't turn away from them in any way. If you follow those instructions, I'll be with you in everything you do. With that, Joshua started organizing the people for their campaign into Canaan. He started by sending two men across the river to spy on the land. They entered the city of Jericho and stayed at the house of a prostitute named Rahab. The king of Jericho found out that they were in the city, so he sent a message to Rahab. Bring out those men who are staying in your house. They're spies from the people of Israel. The men were on her roof, where she had hidden them under bundles of flax. She told the king, Yes, they were here, but I didn't know where they came from. Just before dark they left, before the city gates were closed. They didn't tell me which way they were going, but you should be able to catch them if you hurry. So the king sent men to chase after them. Rahab said to the spies, Everyone here is afraid of you because we know God has given you this land. We heard how the land opened up in the Red Sea when you left Egypt. Your God is the God of heaven above and the earth below. He's done great things for you. I protected you. Now swear by your God that you'll show kindness to my family. Spare our lives. So the spies said, We'll spare you when the Lord gives us your city, but only if you don't tell the king about us. Tie the scarlet cord in your window, and your family will be safe if they're in your house. If anyone leaves the house, we're not responsible for what happens to them. 
Rahab's house was on the city wall, so she put a rope out of her window and helped the men escape. They hid in the hills until the men of Jericho stopped looking for them. Once it was safe, they went back across the river. They told Joshua everything that had happened. They said, it's true, God has given us the land. The people are afraid of us. So Joshua led the people toward the Jordan River where they stayed for three days. On the third day, the leaders of Israel went throughout the camp and told the people, break camp tomorrow morning. Then watch the priests. They're going to pick up the Ark of God and move toward the Jordan River. Follow them because you haven't gone this way before. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things for you. You'll know that God lives with you and plans to drive out your enemies from before you. Joshua told them to select 12 men, one from each tribe, and send them to him. Then he told the priests what they were to do the next day. So as I listen to the story, I reflect on my own life, on where have I really taken a risk for him? What have I really done when I've heard him invite me into something? Do I actually step into it if it seems risky? As you reflect on this story, I hope that your hearts would be softened. Oftentimes we say that biblically because many times our hearts are hardened to God's word. When we hear God's word, we rebel because we are sinners. And to hear the word of God often makes us say, oh, not yet, not for me. Now, if you don't believe in Jesus, if your heart is not there, perhaps he's inviting you to take the first steps, and those can be risky. For some people in the world, they're very risky to take the first steps. For the United States, if you live here and you've grown up here, you've got family, but they're not believers, perhaps the first step To step into faith with Jesus would mean that you have to leave some of your family behind. That's hard. Those are the relationships that you know. And now he's inviting you into a whole new group of relationships that you don't know. If you've been a believer for a long time, maybe he's inviting you to do something that you've never done before that you would consider risky. Or maybe you know that it's risky and you've always just said, I'm not doing that. I know that they say you're supposed to do that. I hear it over and over again. And when I read it in the Bible, I just skip that part. Have you ever been there? I think he's inviting you to be humble if you think you have it all together. So if you feel like, oh no, I take risk for him all the time. I never have a problem. My faith is good. I don't feel challenged. When I read scripture, I just go, oh yeah, that's me. Not the bad parts, just the good parts. I'm like King David, not the Bathsheba part. I'm just like King David, he gets crowned. Perhaps the invitation for him is to take a risk And see who you really are and how much you need him. The very first risk in the story that I saw, and this is 
What I love about these stories is that sometimes we hear a story, and because we've heard it before, it just kind of goes through. Oh, I know about Rahab. Some of you probably heard the story of Rahab over a hundred times. I'm pretty sure I have heard the story of Rahab or read the story of Rahab at least a hundred times. But this time something new popped out to me. And as I thought about it, I was thinking, imagine the risk the Israelites were taking. Fully dependent upon God. Now, they had some complaining. I mean, that was part of the reason why they had to depend on him. They were out in the wilderness. And literally, the wilderness is desert. There's not a lot of stuff there. If you want to go and fast, it's a good place to go. Jesus went to the wilderness to fast because you can't find anything. There's no temptation to eat anything. That's where they were. But they were there for 40 years. Now, the city Jericho that they would, which is the background of the story of Rahab, had walls because the realm that day, of that day, was city-states. So there would be a king, and how he would protect his people is build a wall around the city. As I thought about the Israelites, for 40 years, they were just nomads. They just had camp with tents. They had no walls. And the generation that knew of great protection, of a great army, of chariots and walls and great buildings, that generation had passed. This generation, perhaps the spies themselves that went to go look at Jericho, may have never seen walled cities before. Their whole life was encompassed in tents and wandering around the desert and knowing that every morning they had some bread that they would complain about and they had some quail that they'd have to cook and complain about. But it was there every morning and they needed to get rid of it before the evening. They knew that this was their mode. Forty years. And what it spoke to me is that sometimes as Christians... I'm 44, 44 years I've been a Christian, and sometimes the day-in and day-out activity, you forget about when you step out of it, how scary something new can be. Now, our church body, the Lutheran church body, man, does this speak to us. We have so many things that the Lord has given us and we sometimes forget what it means to step outside of the camp. What it means to face an enemy that you've never seen before. And I looked at these Israelites and I was encouraged. Number one, that they depended on the Lord. That they were in camps. There were armies around them. You just go to bed at night. I mean, just think about this. You go to bed at night, no protection, just knowing that the Lord had said that I will make sure you have a future. So the first risk that I saw in the story was just simply depending on Him. And I think it's a good thing for us 
to center in and say, will I take the risk in my life to depend on the Lord? Will I depend on Him for my daily provision? We say that in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. Do I say that prayer and believe it? Or do I worry about my daily bread? Do I strive after to get a little bit more? Do I try to collect more provision than I need simply because I'm worried about the next day? Dependence on the Lord, first risk. The second risk I saw was obedience over fear. We jump into the story, Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at the Acacia Grove, and he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there the night. Obedience over fear. So these two guys who grew up in the campground more than likely knew nothing more than what they'd grown up around. Journey into the enemy stronghold. And what they would guess is that Jericho was probably one of the larger, more stronger cities of the time. And I just sit there and I think, if you were one of those spies and you walk up to this massive city and all you know is tents and your homemade weapons. I don't even know what kind of weapons they had. Honestly, I don't know. I should know because I'm, I'm supposed to be your pastor. But I don't know. I, I didn't research that. But they couldn't have been great. I just imagine peasants with their pitchforks. They just were not great. And you walk up to this city that was fully fortified. And you take the risk because you were simply told to do it. To walk in the city. They weren't told that they had to go into the city. They were told to scout out the land and see what was there. But they went, they went all in. I could imagine being asked to do that and going out, la, 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 you know, out of the wilderness. Wow, this is really pretty. This is so awesome. It's so much better than our desert land that we're in. You walk in and you see Jericho and go, okay, so all we need to report is it's a really big city. Big walls. That's enough for Joshua, right? But these guys went all in. Because their risk that they took was obedience over fear. Then not only did they go all in, but they went to search for a place to stay the night. And they found it at Rahab's place, her house. Now this was not uncommon for a brothel to also be an inn. And I guess you could say logically it makes sense. In our minds that we're like, oh, no, no, good Christians don't go to those places. Or at least you don't get caught in those places. <laughs> and if you're out spying for the leader of God's nation, you certainly don't go back and tell him, 
Oh, we stayed in a brothel. They went there because it was kind of normal. I mean, it's hard for us to really understand. But it was kind of normal to go in and stay. And they took the risk that they could stay there safely and still return back to tell Joshua what, they, what he needed to know. They could have said no. In fact, their ancestors told Moses no when they first looked upon the promised land. They saw the big giants. They saw the, the city-states, and they said, no way are we going in there. We're not strong enough. We don't care that you've saved us time and time again. We're not going there. But these spies, whose parents had already said no, they said yes. And I think that's one thing for us to also let it soak in. Do we believe that the Lord is our provider? And do we believe in obedience over fear? Sometimes we're told to do something. And we think it is going to destroy us. When it's from the Lord, do we believe that obe obeying Him is more important than our own fear? So the third risk. You guys are like, this is moving along really fast. I only have four risks, just by the way. So we are halfway through, but there's a little bit more. So third risk, picking a side. One of the biggest risks that you have to do in life, and happens, hopefully it happens every day, is you have to make a decision. People have heard me say this before. Please just make a decision. Every decision incurs risk. You have to choose a side. You can't just go, oh, I don't know. This one is good and this one is good. But what is, uh, I'll just kind of wait. Even not making a decision incurs risk. Joshua chapter 2, verses 2 through 7. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up on the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax that she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the, ro along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Picking a side. This was the atmosphere of Jericho at the time, is that fear was everywhere. They had heard the stories. And as you think about this, probably for 40 years, they had heard these stories of this massive group of people crossing the Red Sea and the waters being spread for them and defeating the superpower of the day, Egypt. 
They'd heard these stories, and they were fearful. So from their perspective, it wasn't just a group of nomads and peasants out in the wilderness. From their perspective, this was a massive army that could destroy you. Like this, because that's what happened to the Egypts, or the Egyptians, the Egypts. There's one Egypt. The Egyptians were destroyed like that. If you remember the story of crossing the Red Sea, it was within minutes that the entire Egyptian army was gone. So from Jericho's perspective, they're sitting in there going, we hope these walls are big enough. I could imagine that they began to even fortify their walls because they knew this massive group of people were out in the wilderness. And they were scared. Rahab was part of Jericho. Fear had to been upon her. So when a couple or one or two people see these foreigners come in, they immediately go to the king because they are fearful that the Israelites will defeat Jericho. So they run just like a little kid runs to go tell mom and dad that their older brother or sister has done something wrong, hoping to get rid of the problem. The king responds quickly. And this is where I think picking a side is critical in the story for Rahab. She's already fearful. Now the king that was giving her protection has said, I need something from you. She's a prostitute. Now she's the owner of her house, means that she probably has some money. She has some provision. But she recognizes that right now she's in trouble. What I think is awesome is that she picks a side before the king says anything. The story records that Rahab, when she received the Israelite men, she hides them. This is before the king says, bring the guys out. She sees them, and for whatever reason, but I'll tell you the reason, because the Holy Spirit gave her faith. The same things that the Israelites had a hard time believing, that the Lord is powerful and good. The Lord who brought you out of Egypt is good. She believed it. She thought, perhaps this same Lord could save me. And all of a sudden, this prostitute, one of the lowest people in society, is needed by both sides. She has to pick a side. So she hides the two spies. Then the king comes for them. And if you jump into her shoes, man, I'd be fearing for my life. I've already hid the guys. Should I just turn them in and maybe save my own skin? Should I 
see if they'll be able to do something for me first. And if they can't, then I'll turn them in. Should I tell the king the truth or should I lie? And here's an example in the Bible that says the good thing was to lie. Isn't it a conundrum? We're not supposed to lie. And yet here is the person who will become the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. The one who would actually be the great grandmother of David. She lies for the kingdom's sake. And this was for her own life's peril. Some of us take these risks as well, where we have to pick a side. And I think it happens for our kids very often. If you have kids in middle school, you know what I'm talking about, because something changes from elementary to middle school. This last week, Breezy was telling me how her day had gone in middle school. And we've been talking more about how you can just ask questions and find out about people and see if they believe in Jesus. See if there's a way you can pray for them. See if there's a way you can serve them. And there's fear. You all have this fear, right? You meet someone new, probably the last thing is on your mind is to ask them, do you believe in Jesus? Right? In fact, that's a, the question that you're like, ooh, should I ask that question? Ah, uh, I don't know. Well, Breezy was in this conversation with this person, and she's been in this conversation with this person for a long time, but they started talking about just growing up. And of course, it involves sex. Yes, it involves sex. It's a thing that a father of his daughter wants to hear about when she's 13. But Sarah and I have talked to our kids about sex and what we believe the Lord has called us into as a family and how to honor Him and what it looks like to honor one another in that relationship. And so this girl was talking to Breezy and she's saying, man, you, your parents are really strict. And Breezy's like, oh, I don't think they're too strict. And I'm like, well, that's what you say to her. <laughs> but keep talking. I'll keep my mouth shut. So she's like, I don't think my parents are too strict, but you know, um, I just think it's a, it's a smart thing that you shouldn't have sex before you get married. And this girl goes, are you really going to do that? Because I just think that that's stupid. And Breezy's like, well, I feel like that's what the Lord wants me to do. She goes, do you really believe in all that? And Breezy said, yeah. She picked a side. So easy, and boy, I tell you, I don't know if I would have done that in junior high or middle school. See, I'm really old school because it was junior high for me. I don't know if I would have done that as an eighth grader because I would have been so concerned that that person wouldn't like me if I said, oh yeah, that's really what it is. But then when I reflect back, I remember that I was in this crusade that I wasn't going to drink until I was 21. And I made it all the way to 18. Whew. And then I failed. And I think about these things that sometimes the Lord infuses you with boldness 
Choose pick a side. To pick him. Over what your friends or the world may be saying. Wouldn't it just be easier to go the other way? Wouldn't it just be easier to not say anything? So the third risk is to pick a side. The fourth one in the story is risking everything by believing in something. Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Shion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above the earth and below. Risking everything by believing in something. What she does to save her family is that she is willing to give up everything. She is a businesswoman. Whether it's of ill repute or not, she is a businesswoman that has a house, which would not be the norm. She has possessions. She has a family. Making this risk not only risked her life, but it would risk the life of her family as well. And she had to ask these questions like, would they even believe me? Will these Israelites even believe me? And then on the other side, will the king's soldiers believe me when I say I'm not hiding them? She had to ask, if they find the spies, will they kill me and my family? Will they find out that I lied and kill me later before the Israelites can come and save me? Will this Lord of the Israelites accept me? A prostitute. Can I even be invited into his family? And will this action that I took even save my family? Risking everything by believing in something means that there's a cost. And the cost can be great. I think that she had all of these doubts. When I read through the scripture, I think she had every one of these doubts. But she had something greater in her. And it goes back to what I just said a few moments ago. She had the Holy Spirit producing faith. That this God was actually a God of power and action and love. And that no matter what her background was, no matter who she was considered to be, this was her moment in time to live for him. 
She chose rightly. She picked the right side, and she risked everything to do it. I love this story, especially for risk. It was a great, great story to put into the series. Because when we look at risk, there are so many different risks. I only looked at four, but there are many more. If you get into the story and you start going, man, the spies risked this. Joshua risked everything on these two spies. There were risk after risk. And then the story even ends as you listen to the story. Now let's depend on the Lord again to deliver us this land. And then if you know the story of Jericho, how ridiculous that must have been to say just march around and blow your horn. That's a risk. That's like, hey, everyone's going to call me stupid today, right? But it's a risk. But I think it's hard to say yes to risk if you can't say yes to depending on the Lord. If you can't say yes to depending on the Lord, it's hard to risk everything. It's hard to say yes to risk if you can't say yes to obedience over fear. If fear always comes first, it's going to be very hard to be obedient, to listen to his voice and say yes. It's hard to say yes to risk if you can't say yes to choosing the Lord over the world. To make a decision that says yes to Jesus first. It's hard to say yes to risk if you can't say yes to losing everything in this world. And in doing so, gain everything in Christ. I think that when you depend on the Lord, specifically when you depend, when your life resembles dependence upon the Lord, the world sees it as reckless. When you depend on Him because you believe that daily He's going to supply, the world goes, you are stupid. Our culture says, pull yourself up with your own bootstraps. Our culture says, you can do it. But God says, believe that I have done it. And these beliefs center on the fact that we believe that our God is powerful, that he's just, and that he's good. And that I don't need anything more than what I can get in him. So no matter what the circumstances are, this morning he is inviting you to risk so that you can live for him. So if this goes into my life, I say, I can risk talking about Jesus in the workplace. Yesterday, we had a girl with us, and she was going to this little volleyball thing we are doing for the kids. And I tried to model as best as I could, asking some questions. Some simple questions like, what do you really love to do? 
What do you like to do during the week? What do you guys do on the weekend? Do you have a church home? Do you go to church ever? She said, no. I said, not even Easter or Christmas. No, we go to my grandfather's. And afterwards, after we dropped her off, I talked to Abriana again. I said, do you see how you can just ask some questions? And perhaps then you will be presented a place to invite her even deeper. The next time we play volleyball, maybe we'll look for a time that we can invite her family over for dinner. Or we can meet their family after we play volleyball for ice cream. And we can keep asking and inviting questions. My neighbor yesterday, you've heard about this neighbor before. He scared me, which I'm not usually scared. But I was weed eating with my little Black & Decker weed eater, battery operated. It's really quiet. You know, I was going around. And I was just in my Friday of I'm cleaning my yard. And all of a sudden I heard, Aaron! And I was like, and it was Dion, and Dion is this great guy, and he's been our neighbor for over eight years, and I've talked to him several times, and I've told you guys that before we've asked, you know, to pray for him, and um, he's kind of said no, and then the other time he came up and he actually asked for prayer, and it seems like the occurrences are coming more and more and more, and then I found out yesterday as I was talking to him, he goes, and I can't divulge what we said because it was a pastor person confidence because he had something going on and he goes I can talk to you right because I'm you're a pastor I said yeah yep and I, I won't say what you said it's all good he goes because you know I was baptized Lutheran I said say what like you <laughs> eight years Dion <laughs> You finally told me, one, number one, you were baptized, and you were baptized Lutheran. Interesting. Sometimes it means that we can take a risk, even if it means over years. I can risk praying with my neighbor. I can risk giving money away. I can risk helping a person in need. I can risk opening my house for the Lord's purposes. I can say Yes. Now what you need to say yes to is between you and the Lord. And you know what it is. You know what you have said no to. Not to other people, but to Him. That He's invited you to say yes to this. But your obedience over fear is not there. Fear over obedience is there. Or not believing that he'll provide for you. There are these things that happen that he's saying, risk and believe who I am. I can say yes to Jesus. I can say yes to the one who died and rose again so I could have life. Ultimately, that is what we are asked to risk. Will I say yes to him? In whatever circumstance I'm in, whether it is hard or easy, will I say yes to him?
I hope this morning you have a risk that is on your heart that you know the Lord has been inviting you into for a long time. And that you can say yes. Some of you know Wynn and Rachel and Ian. These three began the process of saying that they were going to plant a church. And I think Wynn's story is a, a good story of taking a risk. Some of you know the story, so I'm going to consolidate it. But then I'll invite you to ask him more about what he was thinking when he said yes. You know, Wynn came to Houston or returned to Houston. And to do so, to sell his house, give up his job. And come to a place where he had no place to live. He had to live with who he did not realize would be his future in-laws. He had to go into a place where we said, we're not paying you anything. And he had to come in and go into a profession that he didn't know he was prepared for. He could have received no after no after no. And he could have responded with a no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'll wait till you guys can pay me. No, I'm going to wait until I feel like I can have a house of my own in Houston. No, I won't. I'm not sure if I want to be a church planner. But he said yes. And in a few moments, we're going to see a testimony of several different people who are thankful for that yes. And I am not on the video, thank God. But I want to say I am thankful for the yes. I'm thankful for the yes that you made to each other. I'm thankful for the yes that you guys made to Ian to say be on this team. And that you've said yes to a lot of people. And when the Lord has invited you into some things, yeah, you've said no. And I've said, why did you say no? But you've said yes to so much more. And it's made an impact. So I want us to give thanks to God that we have a team of people who are willing to say yes, even when others would say, that's kind of reckless. Because they're saying yes to Jesus. Jesus.